Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Here's for the real, all right, all right. the real podcast. Uh, hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Welcome to the magical journey now, that now, you're about to go on called the Church Planner Podcast. Now do Ned Flanders. <laughs> oh, ding, diddly, ding, diddly. Wait, oh, I'm locking up here, uh. I sent it to you last night. Oh, he goes, uh, oh, oh. I remember he, he breaks his glasses and he has his own. Oh, and then he goes, uh, dang. Uh, I can't remember wow, how he starts it off. You're down big time. I know, I know. But once I get it. Oh. I can't remember how it goes. Eh. Well, it's it's the beginning. It's that first line. I've lost it, but once once I get that, I'm gold. I still it just falls into play. Yeah, he goes. Uh, oh, uh, they did their best. Shadowly, gotta be nice. How steadily, deadly. Uh, I can't remember. And then he goes, yeah. Oh so, hell, anyways. ding dong, crap. Yeah, but there's something I'm missing a piece of it, and it's so good. I've had that thing memorized for years. I busted out to you not long ago. You busted but it out on the, uh, through the word, as you told me. I did. I did. Yeah, I knew I used it somewhere. These things come in handy. Mm. Through the word's been fun. I uh, I just got off of what we call a sprint, where we were producing mad amounts of content, which I normally produce mad amount of content for them. But um, I did romance, anger, assurance, and worship. Um, I did these like mini series that are topical. They were fine, man. It sounds like someone's doing some MMA like right behind you. Oh yeah, they're uh, taping mudding in my house right now. Just not in this room, as you can see. 
So tape and mud's going on. I have no idea what that means. <coughs> it sounds like really cool. Well, see the screw holes in the drywall behind me? Sure. In the, in the joints? Yeah. They tape it, and then they put plaster over it and mud it so your walls are smooth as a baby's bottom. Mm, interesting. So, yes. We have a, uh, a plumber coming over today. That's what, you know, our, our podcast may have hit a new low today. We're we must talking, start talking about, about my plumber. Ta- taping and mudding on my end and, uh, and plumbing. So smack talk is smack talk is, is dead. <laughs> it is I, no more. Know, I, I don't know what else to say. I, I went shooting last night. I mean, that was fun. Well, what what's the plumber coming to do? Maybe we can make fun of it. Dude, our sink, our kitchen sink, all of a sudden we, we like walk out one, one day and the counter is soaking wet, like the bread box, everything soaking wet. So we're like, what's going on? Right. And so normally I blame a kid for that. Yeah. So my kids, they don't wash anything. So, so I don't know that they would use the sink. And uh, anyway, it's, it's like, there's, there's a, there's a lot of water under the sink. The, the, faucet itself it's like leaking out the top it's it's fun it's a good time i can't i can't blame my 12 year old for stuff i did anymore she's old enough now where she can hold her on no dad you totally did that i i saw you do it so she's like dad was in the in the library with a candlestick with with colonel mustard so i i get i get busted when i do stuff now by my 12 year old but my eight year old i could totally still blame her for things nice that's yeah. what you want in a child, someone who you can blame. Inappropriately timed gas, all kinds of things. You just you just blame the blame the kid. But I have a dog. You know what my dog did to me this week? You know, last week I, I told you guys about the magic of Popeye's popcorn living inside my body, which they took out. By the and way, it, well, never mind. I, as, oh, it came back benign, so I'm not dying. So that's good. So you uh, on the podcast, you've heard that right after my wife. The other night, I'm like, oh, uh by the way, I got my lie back. I'm not dying. I forgot to tell you. So that was good. You don't that's want to you forget told your to wife. tell. Yeah. You, you got to, in my you know, hey, in my house, that's like a common conversation. Like, oh, okay. You know, like this was my first bout with some benign tumor, but this is old hat in the Jones house. So, um, but anyways, we, uh, so as I'm in, in the surgery with the doctor, I said, hey, uh, is there anything I can't do? Like, can I... Put, like I asked a nurse and I'm like, you know, pull-ups, leg raises. I mean, it, she goes, oh, no, don't do any of those. And the surgeon looks over and goes, no, you're good. You can do all that. And I said, can I walk and run? Yeah, you're fine. Just, you know, give it a day. Okay. Um, and he, he so anyways, I, I said, well, what can't I do? You know, because I'm pretty sure I'm going to do that. And he goes, well, like, don't go to karate class. And have someone karate kick you right on your sutures. That would be bad. And he started laughing. I go, okay, okay. I'll, I'll try to avoid that. Now, is this the or, same doctor that on the day of the surgery, you're like, wait, are you cutting me? <laughs> yeah. uh, doctors, are going to be any cutting involved? I, nobody told me that. And he starts <laughs> laughing. At first, he looked at me like, uh-oh. And then he started laughing. But yeah, so so I'm coming in the gate Sunday and my Doberman puppy is so excited to see me now. Keep in mind, she's probably about 75 pounds right now. She's eight months old. She's got about 20 pounds to go. Mom was 95 pounds. Um, I'm in trouble. Like, 
this dog jumps on me and where do her paws land? Uh, Dobermans are pouncers. They should call them Doberman pouncers, not Doberman pinchers. She pounced right on my suture wound. So I got those pulled this week. They came out. So, uh, yeah. So that you was have fun. to go back and explain to the doctor, uh, he died. Or do you like give you a kit? It was funny because when I went back to the hospital, it was all over. Everybody who encountered me said, so how big is your dog? (laughs) The lady walking me back from the hospital, like everybody knew because I sent an email. Like I don't go to the doctor ever, but the fact you can email your surgeon, because you never be able to call them, but you email them and they get the message pretty quick. You know, Andrew always told me, she goes, oh, if you ever need to get your doctor, just email them. They, they're really good over at our hospital. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I did. Anyways, he must have told everybody. And the freaking Doberman destroyed my suture work. So it was actually a student's suture work. So I could have blamed the student. They made me pay again. I had to pay my copay again. Ooh, a copay. I know. But it was like 100 bucks, dude. Dude, I don't even have copays. I have the full bill, the full Monty. Uh, uh, no wonder, no wonder you're a bit salty over that. Cause yeah, I was like, I told the lady, I go, but uh, like, couldn't I say like, if his sutures were <laughs> in the front with the lady and I'm just teasing, I go, but couldn't I say like, really, if he had done his sutures, right? Like I wouldn't be here. <laughs> she just started laughing. <laughs> like, uh, and I go, I'm totally teasing. I'm totally teasing. It, 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 my Doberman, he told me not to do this. But uh, they must get that stuff all the time. You know, if he'd suture me right, wouldn't be here. Wouldn't be having this conversation. But uh, I, 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 alas, I have too much Bushido that lives within me. Too much Bushido. honor. Bushido. Oh, my Bushido. gosh. Yes, I, I have too much, too much Bushido under my ninja. So, uh, anyways... Um, so, hey, so, uh, should we hop into the topic since, yeah, uh, since, uh, smack talk is dead today. I mean, uh, you know, besides sutures getting pulled, I know everybody's like, oh, you're feeling that in your nether regions. Whenever I say, you know, cause if you're like most humans, that's really gross to you. But being a nurse, I don't have a normal filter for this stuff. Okay. Sure. I don't, I don't people's gross stuff. I like. Like I was asking you all about your surgery and I like it. Could you imagine being a nurse or a doctor and like being deathly afraid of blood? (laughs) There's a show about that. Is there really? It's called Doc Martin. It's a really good show. It takes place in Cornwall. Um, It's, it's on Netflix. It's a good show. Yeah. If you ever want to know what it's like to live in a Welsh village, watch that show. I've lived in a Welsh village and it's not that far off. I'm I'm not kidding you. There's a reason that show is popular in Britain because it describes a lot of community lives there. So, Interesting. Well, it's, it's, uh, dementia creeping in again, Pete. But exaggerated. That's a word I was looking for. Mm. You never know which which words the dementia is going to take at any given time. And is if you think of- I'm making fun of dementia patients, I'm not. I actually believe I have it early onset. So since my COVID. I, I, the old brain has not been what it used to be. Have you seen that movie on Netflix called I Care A Lot? I have seen it. I have not watched it. It's kind of interesting. Jamie and I watched it the other day. Uh, definitely a rated R movie. No doubt. Like, 
Don't watch it in front of the kids. But the whole premise is she's a uh, basically, I don't remember what they call him in the movie. Um, <clears throat> when this happened to, to my buddy's company, it's a receiver, right? They come in and they take over. Except she's not doing it for company. She's doing it for people. So if someone has Alzheimer's, she gets an emergency petition to be their guardian. And then she gets all yeah. their assets, control yeah, yeah, all their yeah. assets. Yeah. And she'll sell it all off. And she charges, you know, these absorbent rates. And so they become cash cows for her. It's and a movie, she, right? Yeah, it's a movie. Yeah. My brother was telling me that it was good. Yeah, it's pretty good. But I mean, he said the same. He goes, look, it's maybe not be a movie for a pastor. <laughs> well, I wouldn't watch it in front of the kids for show. I mean, because uh, let's just say uh, she has a girlfriend. <laughs> so oh. I wouldn't watch it in front of the kids. But um, what's kind of interesting is they're constantly getting, and, and this is what ends up being the, the problem is they're getting innocent people and, and saying that they have dementia. So that way they can. That happens all the time. Like if they find out, oh, she's got a lot of assets and she's got no kids, she's got no family, and then they get the doctor to say, you know, oh, you know, this is an emergency. She's going downhill fast. She needs someone to take over for her. So they go to the court without the person there for an emergency petition. And uh, I don't know, man. I was just like, I, I was watching it going, I've seen this happen on the business side. I saw a receiver come in and take over a business. And once they found out how much money was in the accounts, they were like, oh, well, this is going to take us a while because right? they're charging their 500 bucks an hour or whatever it is uh, that they charge wow. until they could suck it all out. People but, are evil. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen I've seen the trailer for that. Um, I have no comment on this. I hope it doesn't happen to me. You'll protect me, right? You see me oh, sliding. I'll be the guy that's sitting there with the emergency petition going, oh, yeah, oh, incarcerate him. I want every penny that he made from that podcast. Every penny that he made from that podcast. <laughs> there you so, go. All right. Well, hey, let's hop into this week's topic. Let's we bore our audience any more than we must. Sometimes we feel duty to entertain you, and sometimes we feel duty to bore you. So it's really raining here. Is it raining down there yet? Not yet. It's it's teasing. A little bit, which tells me it's time to go make a cup of tea. My wife made Welsh cakes for St. David's Day. And that means nothing to any of you. And I, I pity you. I pity the fools that don't know St. David's Day and Welsh cakes. But I, I need this is a Welsh day. If Winnie the Pooh had the blustery day, we have the Welsh day today. Mm, and I'm loving fantastic. Uh, go watch Winnie Pooh and the Blustery Day. That's 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 a little feel good entertainment for you. Curl up with your kids and you know apologize to them later. You you didn't put Iron Man on again. <laughs> I'm trying to get my daughter to watch that. By the way, um, she, Iron Man. I was watching WandaVision. Have you watched WandaVision? It's really good. It is really good. I and, thought it was stupid. Like the first episode, I was like, eh. but it was stupid. The first episode, and then it was like, eh. 
Uh, <laughs> you go through all these emotions where you're like, why isn't it Friday yet? I need the next episode. So Liberty's watching me watch WandaVision, which I kind of caught up last week when I was, you know, convalescing. And she's like, Dad, what is this? And I'm like, it's WandaVision. She goes, can I watch it too? What episode are you on? And I said, well, you know, I'm up to like six. She goes, if I catch up to five, can we watch six, seven, and eight together? And I'm like, yeah. Cause she, she's, she's my watch buddy. She's my food buddy and my watch buddy. So I go, well, here, here's the thing, Lib. Um, there's kind of like 20 movies that have happened to set all this up. I don't know if you and I shouldn't go back and I'll watch it with you. Like Captain America, Iron Man, the Avengers. She goes, nah, <laughs> come on. Like this is my chance to go back and have it. Cause right now we're rewatching all the star Wars movies. Okay. So, yeah. And so, by all of them, you mean four, five, and six? By all of them, I mean we get to watch three next. And I we we endured two, which I have to say something. One and two, for some reason, I went through a slump with those where I was like, eh, it's kind of hard to watch those now. I have to say recently, I was like... <laughs> If you're listening to the podcast, he just turned his video off. <laughs> That's the funniest thing you've done in so long. <laughs> you can't justify those movies. You can't it's do so it. Good. You know, there were things that I noticed this time I never noticed before. There was so much I noticed. But I'll tell you what, and, I, and I'm watching it thinking, I'm bringing this up on the podcast with Pete. So there's, I noticed this major plot hole the other day. So Obi-Wan, they, they do it like this whole detective mystery in episode two. He gets that Camino dart that Django Fett shoots. It takes him to the Kaminoans. They're making the clones. He goes, huh, they made a whole clone army. Then he follows Django Fett to the droid federation factory where they're making all the droids on geonosis why did obi-wan not just go hey wait a second count dooku hired because Django tells him count dooku hired me you know or darth sidious why did he never figure out wait a second the same dude was working with both armies maybe it's the same guy creating this war like Right? Django Fett was the connector between both armies. I it have made no, no idea sense. what movie you're talking about. <laughs> so I'm just listening. It has been wiped from Pete's collective conscious uh, as a self-defense mechanism. This is what happens, people. This is known as disassociative disorder, where the brain actually compartmentalizes great trauma. Pete, having been traumatized by the prequels, is no longer able to hear what I'm saying. Uh, he may recognize episode three. Let's try a, an experiment. Hey, so Pete, you know that um, I'm not getting weird about movie? ready to get blown away. <laughs> I hey, feel Pete, like I'm you know, in Oklahoma right now. This is like real rain. Okay, folks. Obviously, he's not ready uh, for this step. So, yeah, episode four. We're going to watch that soon. <laughs> Here we go. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's get down to the nitty gritty. I forgot. There you part. go. I didn't know you were setting that up for me. I almost, I almost dropped the ball there. I don't know. 
So we're just off our game today. Do you think it's the weather? Do you think it's like Superman when he's cut off from the solar energy? Uh, the normally Wednesday is a shoulder day for me. Today it was back day. So I'm just all thrown off. I'm all off kilter. You know, every day for me since my surgery has been butt day. I've been putting pressure, a lot of pressure on my butt. Just sitting on it. You know, you need to bring your dog on camera sometime. I oh, want to see just how big your your dog. She's pretty is. big, dude. She's big I enough now. Where the UPS guys, and I'm sure you know this well. They will not come into my yard anymore. With Roxy, they're like. In fact, the other day, my other dog is so old. I'm pulling up to my drive, and this guy that walks his dog past my my house all the time pulls up, and uh, he or he was walking past, and he's looking through the gate. And we had the dog in the car with us, so he took her to dog obedience school. When I pull up, I'm like, "Hey, is everything okay?" He's looking through the gate, and he goes, "Yeah." I was just checking your little dog was still alive, you know, because Roxy's like all crashed out. She's 13 now. He goes, yeah, she's breathing. <laughs> he keeps walking. And I'm like, thanks, dude. <laughs> so anyways, our topic today. Yeah. yeah, go on. Sorry. No, 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 no. It was it was it is going to be more smack. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. So our topic today, everybody, is who do you pay in a church plan? At what point? And who do you pay first? This is a question from Matthew Hawk Eldridge, who, um, you know, raised this. And th- this is actually a very practical, very good question. I don't know how long we'll spend on it, but I literally just got off recording another podcast. Uh, my other podcast with my wife and Barry Waters is called Ministry Ninja. And during that, I, I, I did not know that we were going to hit this topic today. But I made a point, we're going through reaching the unreached chapter by chapter, or not reading it, but we're just discussing and unpacking the things in it. We were talking about how to reach the needs of your community. And the first thing that I mentioned on that podcast was, I just said, you know, our church never existed to pay me a salary. And that was one of the secrets, because Barry made the observation, he goes, the thing is, Peyton, I looked around at other churches, um, some of the bigger churches, and they... They had money and he goes, and we did not have a lot of money, but we did a lot of stuff in the community. And I made the point, well, that's because I chose not to get paid. I only got paid um, two years in my assistant um, uh, said, Hey, I, I think we need to give you a little bit of money. And I, I was like, no, no, it's all right, man. I'm good. And he's like, no, no. No, I think it's right. It's a principle. The worker's worthy of his wage. So I got talked into it. Then when we adopted Liberty, he took me aside and sat me down. He was a treasurer. You know, this is Jeff. He was kind of the prophetic guy right about in Church Zero. Cha-ching. So so different than Dan Sam's treasurer. <laughs> Just a little. Um, usually uh, we have a surplus of money in the bank when I leave a church. Not not a deficit and not someone embezzling. Um it, it, contrary to claims of such, Pete, as you would well know, <laughs> the old wounds, uh, it's never healed, to quote Excalibur. Always a good excuse to quote Excalibur. That's uh, an inside joke with me and Pete. But uh, hey, by the way, I put an inside joke um, in my newsletter this week uh, from this podcast. And I mentioned it was an inside joke from the podcast. I say, hey, by the way, did you know I was writing a textbook? I did see that actually. Yeah, yeah, a little shout out, a little represent. But uh, anyways, going back to my story, which I interrupted six different ways in the last 60 seconds. 
Um, so, you know, uh, but I, I purposefully um, did not take a paycheck. Um, but Jeff came to me and said at Pillar, he's like, hey, you've got a baby now. Everything's different for you. You have a kid. And he's like, you need to come on staff full time. And I'm like, no, oh, no, I'm all right. I'm right. He goes, no, no, no. You need to get, you have no idea what's about to hit you. Um, you need to come on set. We need to take care of you now. And it was kind of cool. Like that, that was a cool way to have that happen. Um, yeah. Cause I hadn't been full time on staff anywhere, um, since I left Huntington beach, mm. you know? So that was, that was kind of cool. And we had the money and that was year four of the church plant. And I stayed on staff for one year before coming back to America. But I mean, it was a purposeful choice for the first four years to just keep pouring that money into the community. And it really, you know, I don't think it ever brought a single person to the church doors, but it helped us focus on the lost. It changed us. Let's put it that way. If you can change your congregation and they see that, and I I made the point on this other podcast, if we get a chance, I actually cried in the podcast today because I started reading about some of the brokenness in our, and it just, I, it put me right back in the room. Like I, I don't get emotional much on our podcast because I'm karate man and karate man don't bruise on the outside. He bruise on the inside. See, fools can't see that. Sorry. That's from uh, trading places. Got to quote that too. That's why we can't have nice things, Pete. But, um, but anyways, once you see that stuff, it's kind of like William Booth where he's like, hey, wherever there's prostitutes on the street, I'll fight wherever there's this. So going back to this whole question of of who do you pay um, and, and who's the priority and when does it happen? It's a tough question because for me, mission mandates everything. Uh, it gets a bit like Schindler's List where for Schindler, you know, he's like this car, these cufflinks. Um, I remember when you were the treasurer, Pete, I remember getting money from outside sources and telling you, well, you know, I'll go up in my pay now. That's cool. But I kept it at a, a very minimal paycheck um, for the whole time I was at Refuge Long Beach. I was at Refuge Long Beach for four years. And again, keeping in that same pattern, it was the last year, it was after year three, that outside funding came in and I upped my... Um, I did two things. I upped my paycheck and I also brought on Chris Langham part-time. And, um, and I think mission has to mandate everything. The question you have to ask is, is the mission going to be served or am I going to serve me? Right. And, and those are two different things. Um, there's nothing wrong with you being paid or served. Paul was an advocate for Timothy to receive, uh, a full wage in Ephesus. He was an advocate for that, but when Paul was out, that was in a mission hub that had the money to do that. Paul had been there for three and a half years. He had trained up multiple people. It was a mission sending hub. And Paul's like, hey, if you're going to be there, Timothy, um, the worker's worthy of his wage. Don't muzzle the ox while he's treading the grain. You're worthy of double honor. Um, everyone should see that. And so there's nothing wrong with being paid, but it's all on timing. But when Paul went out, he didn't pay himself. He worked with his hands and that's because mission always mandated the answer to that question. And being that, Hey, you and I've run the Bible program. I know you have thoughts about this. Well, it's, it's not even that I have thoughts about it. I think 
kind of what it comes down to at the core, because we're talking to church planners, <clears throat> so many people, and I'm not saying that this is, you know, you church planner, if you're listening, right? But so many people, they have this vision in their head of, I'm trying to start a church and I'm trying to plan a church, right? And we're the church planner podcast. We had church planner magazine. So I get that, but in a way that can be a different goal than I'm trying to reach the lost in my community. And there's a lot of people without a doubt. There's a lot of people who are like, well, I can't get hired on at a church or, you know, all I am is a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor and, you know, I'm better than the main pastor. I I mean, I'm, I'm much better. So I can't get his job. I'm just going to go start my own church and we'll see who comes with me. And, and I mean, so then you're looking at it as, a job. You're looking at it as I have to do this for income. I have to make income. I have to get people to come. I have to get people to tithe. And that's a different goal than I just need to reach the community with the gospel. Like it's a completely different goal. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's one of the reasons that I'm such a big fan of Bivo and pastors that are Bivo and, and not saying that you have to be right. Cause there's a time and place God calls, I believe full-time pastors and and um, and bivo pastors, but I really like the bivo pastor because he's freed up from that and he can focus. Yeah. I remember hearing Rick Warren after he like paid back all the money that his church had ever paid him over the years, and I remember hearing that he had commented one time that he felt uh, he felt almost like liberated because he didn't have to participate in any of the church politics because it didn't matter to him. Just like I don't, I don't get my money from the church. So that's so true, dude. I I remember saying to like the amount of stuff that it dealt with as far as like criticism, like when people are like, "Well, I think you should," and I just turn around and tell them, "I don't work for you." And they'd be like, "And I'm like, church doesn't pay me. What are you talking about? I'm not doing this for money." You know, that's cool. You think, you know, I don't think you should do this. And I turn it right back around on him. Like, I I know that's kind of like a, you're being a little salty and sassy, but it was kind of like, like in Wales, there was this idea that you owned the pastor. You kept him poor. Yeah. You kept him humble. And you know this from your dad being minister. But I just turn it back around and say, you know what? I don't think you should wear blue. I don't think you should wear a tie like that with, you know, I just turn it right and they'd start laughing. Because I'd kind of smile when I'm saying it. Like, there's a lot of stuff I think you should change as well. Um, hey, why don't I come to work and follow you? But I'm like, wait, here's the thing, man. I'm volunteering here. And anytime you want to jump in and do stuff too on your own free time, you're more than willing. And that usually shut people up. You know what I'm saying? Because all of a sudden they realize, whoa, I don't own. And I always tell planners this. When people pay you, they own a piece of you. They do. They own a piece of you. And, and, and the more they pay you, the more percentage of you they own, right? That's not a I've bad thing. I've definitely heard stories of pastors of churches where the pastor can't do what he wants to do because the main tither in the church is like, oh, no, you do that. I stop giving. And it's like they almost see it as like, now you're my employee. You work for me. 
I remember you coming to us at a certain point going, I don't know how money comes into this church. I it doesn't I make didn't. sense. I only, let's just be clear here. I was treasurer for six months, and those were the worst <laughs> six months of my life. You're like, I don't know. It's like the loaves and the fishes. I don't know where this money, man. I don't know how we're keeping afloat because we would. We would pour money out. Um, we ran these barbecues. Like Even now, like I think back to the bill of those barbecues. That was insane. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that church, after I had left, they got into a bit of trouble, but it, it, it not, not trouble, like bad trouble, good trouble, like where they had, they kept pouring into the community, but the problem was they weren't seeing money coming in and they went out and told people they, they, the couple guys in the church got on the mission the you know, the, the, the fundraising thing went out and talked to some people who had deep pockets and said, Hey, this is what we're doing. Boom. Money flooded in. Wow. But it it was it was funny because even now there's a group of people over in the same park that they didn't want to be a part of the merger. And this is amicable, by the way. But they're over there going, no, don't call it a church plant. It's a mission. And we're going to keep running this mission. They never made the jump simply because to them, it's all about, um, you know, the mission. I, I think if you leave a church or you plant a church and years after you leave, it's still about the mission, right? I that mean, was the DNA. that was the right DNA. It just, it, it's humbling. It's amazing. And people who came and like never did anything, but, but warmed a pew on a Sunday morning, that they're now the ones carrying the thing forward. There's no visible. It's it's like what happened up in Antioch. Like who knows what what could happen in these? But you know what I'm saying. Like they're just doing it, and there's no visible leadership. It's just there's just a bunch of believers run a mission, and uh, that that can have its own problems. Don't get me wrong, but it it's it's kind of satisfying. Sure. So who's the first person? You know, this is really interesting. I'm going to get really practical. I was just chatting with Charlie uh, last week who he and I were Marquez? chatting. Marquez. Yeah. What? Yeah. Everyone's Charlie doing good. Really good. Every once in a while I have to, I have to retouch that hair. You know, I have to just reach out and borrow my strength from it. It's like a, a Samson strength from he the literally has the perfect hair. It's amazing. It's, it, it, when Charlie dies, they should study his hair for science. It was beautiful hair. It really was. It, there were times he was preaching. I just look at his hair <laughs> <laughs> too far. So anyways, uh, go, going back, it, it was chatting with Charlie and Charlie and I were an amazing combination in ministry. Um, there was just something. And, you know, he was kind of, he was pointing out, he just goes, you know, I don't think I realized. And, and it was funny because I've been, I've always been fortunate to have people like whether they're prophetic or Charlie was a teacher, but he was kind of a, um, we were talking about this last week that Charlie had more apostle in him developing than, than what I think he recognized. And I kind of threw it out there one day, you know, I think you might have more apostle in you than, than you realize. But anyways, we were just chatting it through because Charlie had a really good job. He ran a, a plant. He was like the, the, he was one of the big bosses at this engineering facility. It was, he was doing well. 
And, um, and I came back and, and was a missionary and we had talked about, should we give you something? And Charlie was cool. He was like, no, man, look, um, whatever percentage that I take, I take from you. And he's like, we're not giving you a bunch. Um, you know, so no, I'm not, I'm not going to take that. Um, and then, you know, I had just gotten off the mission field. So in refuge Long Beach, I took a few thousand early on, um, but Charlie kind of was willing to make that sacrifice um, so that I could stay in the game. And I was still part time. I had other jobs. I always had to work another job. But um, but Charlie was he was good to me in that way. I, it, it couldn't have been easy that we both planted it. I sucked so much of his time. I, Charlie and I were literally on the phone every day talking about the church. It, it, people in the church started saying we had a bromance. And, you know, and it was wife. really just you saying that to Charlie. We got a bromance, right, buddy? <laughs> right. <laughs> and me and you, right, man? Me and you. Um, but, you know, what what happened was um, obviously Charlie would have been the next guy. My, my philosophy uh, when you have a team of elders is they're all equal. And there is one person leading the team. But that doesn't mean that's the person that needs to get paid, even if they're the team leader. Typically, when you plan a church, the apostolic is the team leader initially. I would not advocate that an apostle always leads the team. Like it's not a personality thing. It's not that functionally an, a, a, an apostle should lead. Think of it. Paul planted churches and then relinquished leadership to other roles. And we don't know what roles the team leader would be. But when Paul was there, he was clearly the team leader. Uh, with that team of elders. And then as he handed them off, um, he would come back and he would be in a servant role to those churches. It wasn't like, hey, the apostles in town, get the bishop chair out, you know, and he'd preside over, you know, all these elders. I was the, you know, same with me. Like I'd come back, people didn't know who I was. We talked about that last week. And I, it was very satisfying to, to come back in and people didn't know you. Or maybe it was Ralph Moore I was talking with. I confused you too. But um, <laughs> just did a webinar with Ralph on Friday. And he was talking about he would come back into his church and people wouldn't know him. And, and I was saying, oh, that happened to me in Refuge Long Beach. I'd come back and people that had joined after me had no idea who's this bald guy talking up front, which is great. That's how you want it. Um, but I would come back to serve. So, you know, the whole idea is that um, to me, the, the, the person who should get paid is the person taking the greater risk, right? The greater risk to family, the person sacrificing the most security, the person who is laying down their life more for the church. I feel that you earn the right to be paid. So, uh, and, and going back to Charlie, had Charlie at any time said, hey, Peyton, I'm stepping away from my job or I'm gonna reduce my hours. That what little paycheck I was getting would have been in half immediately because it would be like, dude, you and I are in the same boat. There's kind of like this honor system. It's not me, senior leader, me. You know, I mean, I was I was I would say in church planning, I was helping to train Charlie. But in ministry, there wasn't a lot I could teach him like he was an equal. Does that make sense? Yeah. In ministry, Charlie was more like a Barnabas than a Timothy. So I didn't see him as my underling or I saw him as an equal, right? Whereas if Barry came 
you know, onto a team with me. Same with Chris Langham. Chris Langham was a Barnabas. I may have known, you know, a little bit more about church planning simply because I had more experience. But we, but again, it, it's who is going to lay down their life the most gets the most pay. Um, the worker is worthy. Whoever is on that turnstile and taking the risk and taking the responsibility gets it. And that can be a, a very um, hard thing to define. You know, uh, I think in Charlie and Mike's case, it was very, I was very poor and I was investing four days a week in the church, um, not working and then working at night or whenever I could doing other things like teaching online courses or whatever. Um, so, yeah. One of the things that I'll throw out there, and this has only come up this week because of uh, one Sorry, of my clients. What's that? Are you muted? I'm going to mute because that is really loud. Sorry. One of uh, one of my clients who also happens to be a sponsor of our podcast, SimplifyChurch.com. Um, Josh and I were talking this last week because we were putting together some some marketing stuff for him, and he said something that I I actually really agree with. He's like, "Look, I don't care if the pastor is the accountant or not, but they need to understand what's going on with the accounts." And they need to have like a working knowledge of this is what's coming in, whether or not they know who it's coming from. He goes, that can be debated, right? Because some people want to know, some people don't want to know who it's coming from. But the pastor or, you know, the church planner, I would say that probably even the whole team, the core team needs to know, okay, this is what's coming in. This is what's going out. This is what the the books look like. And um so many pastors are like you, right? They're non-math pastors, as we always joke. <laughs> You're not a math pastor. And it's like, yeah, but you you have to know what's going on because of situations like what Dan Sams ran into with his, his uh, uh, treasure. I remember when he was telling me about it, this is a while ago, um, and he posted about it recently on Facebook. So it's not like, you know, he's keeping anything hush-hush uh, or anything, but, you know, their, their treasurer who was a financial planner uh, was doing all kinds of illegal stuff, embezzling from the church, embezzling from their clients. I mean, when he told me what he did and me having been a financial planner, I'm like, oh, he knew what he was doing was illegal. <laughs> like, that's not even on the line. That's like well over the line. And, um, and I, you know, I have no idea if, if Dan was apprised of the books regularly. I, I don't know if he actually, you know, saw the bank statements and and said, "Oh yeah, you know, bank statements match up here with what your your accounting's telling me." But that's I think that's an important piece that if you're actually running a church, you need to you need to actually know what's the finances of your church. I mean, yeah. how can you pay people? How if you don't know what the finances are? I agree. I've, I've spoken with pastors before. They're like, I don't want to know what people pay or, you know, what people give because I don't want to treat them any differently. Um, I get the sentiment, but I actually disagree. And I know Rick Warren was one of the guys that we talked to who said, I, I don't agree with that. I think you should know. And I think in a, in a, um, I think it is kind of weird. Like the early church knew. Uh, they knew that this rich guy gives this. I mean, Paul knew that Priscilla and Aquila. It was also very public him. when they gave. I mean, if you think about the whole story of right. the lady with the two mites, everyone knew what everyone was given. Yeah, and like uh, Priscilla and Aquila, you know, it says they came and laid it at the apostles' feet. It was very public. And, yep. you know, the, the thing for me is, yeah, no, I, I think it means a lot. Like when somebody 
it's a it's an issue of integrity in the heart that if you treat someone differently, um, that's just James smacks down the head for this. Says don't do that. Like you're gonna you're either gonna do that or you're not gonna do that. But I do think that when you have somebody who's like feels really strongly about something, you know, and is making a big stink, they don't contribute. Like kind of like Judas, like Judas goes. Uh, she all that waste, you know, and then it says, but he was stealing from the purse. That's why he said that. Um, you you kind of you start to see a pattern with people. The people sometimes that yell the loudest about money are the people that never contribute. Mm. And it's what I like is it's very easy to write them off and even to confront them and say, "Hey, look, man, I know you you gave like two hundred dollars this year." And I know you work as such and such. And I look, man, I, I just think you need to shut up. <laughs> I was like, what are they going to say? Uh, uh, yeah, no, you didn't earn the right to throw your weight around on this issue, you know? And, I, you know, Chuck Smith was a guy who, um, he was really cool about this because he, he was in a very affluent, I mean, Orange County, California, Costa Mesa, um, he had a guy write him a check for the first ever harvest crusade and um, guy gave him a check and said, just write whatever you want. And Chuck just handed it back to him and said, I appreciate it, but I actually think God's going to provide this money. And I, I, I don't, it was kind of like Abraham when he says, I don't want the King of Sodom saying I made Abraham rich. He's like, that's, this is a God thing. God needs to be the guy. So um, these are all principles that I think are, are healthy to keep in mind when it comes to it. But as far as who to, who to pay first, I think I've answered that. Um, I would be really um, reluctant to say you paid this role next, right? Like, for example, if I got a worship leader and he's busting his butt or she's busting her butt, um, really, again, going back to that sacrifice thing, like, I don't feel automatically, like, I always think it's weird that, like, I'll go preach. Like, people invite me to preach, and, like, I don't charge for that. Like, if they want to give me something great, but people, if I go to a church plant and preach, there's no way I'm taking their money. There's just no way. It's like, no, you keep that. You give that to your community. I'm not taking that. I don't care, you know. Um, it's, it's again, Charlie Marquez. Um that's going to be a lot more money to you in what you're sacrificing than to me, what I'm getting. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's, that's more money to you than it is to me, um, to, to this work. And I also feel like I'm taking it from the planner or I'm taking it from that community. So I tend not to take, uh, if it's not an established church, an honorarium and I never require it. I, this is what I'm trying to get at. I go preach anywhere for free. Right. I don't make money off my books. I write those for free. <laughs> I invest my time knowing I'm not going to make money off this thing. This is not a money thing for me. And preaching is the same. And so I always find it strange, and all the worship leaders are going to hate me for this, that that's like the thing that you got to pay the worship leader, right? Like, I always think to myself, well, like, what am I paying for? Am I Am I paying for you to play the guitar? Am I paying for your skill? Am I paying for the, all the lessons you paid for? Like, I don't know what I'm paying for, but I know, I, I know that somewhere out there is someone that's just like, Hey, I'd just be happy to lead worship for God. Like 
I don't need you to pay me for it. I mean, that, that's cool if you want to. I'm not going to say no. If you want to bless me, that's cool. But that's different. The, the ex- expectancy that in a, in a burgeoning mission that that has to be like, I, and don't get me wrong. I've always paid my worship leaders. I've never not paid them, but I do still think it's strange that it's like, it's like the, it has to be, you don't have to pay the sound guy. You don't have to pay people work in the parking lot, you know, but you, if you don't pay that worship leader, you don't even have to pay the preacher. You know what I'm saying? But if you don't pay that worship, I find it strange. I find it really strange. Uh, that's the one person you always pay. And I don't know where that came from, but I, 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 I again, um, I, I know Paul used the word hireling. Jesus used the word hireling. Um, there are people that are, and, and Paul said some preach for, for gain, financial gain. Um, some preach out of pure motive, some out of impure. So you're always going to find that. And then he goes, but hey, thank the Lord, Christ is still being preached. So, I mean, you know, but, but again, I've always wanted to take care of the people around me at the same time as a leader. So like always with my worship leaders, they're never people that have a bunch of money. So I do pay them because I, I want to, I want to bless them and I want to thank them. So I, I would say I've, I've probably been quicker to pay others in ministry over my career than I have myself. I would also say that one of the things that I always found unique about your philosophy is that if it's time for someone to take a break, pastor, worship leader, whatever, <clears throat> made it clear to them, we're not going to cut off your money just because right. we're telling you, you need to take a break. And to me, that speaks very much to the heart and the DNA of the church, as opposed to this is a business. And well, since we're not paying you to lead worship, uh, we're going to need that thousand a month or, you know, whatever it is you're paying. Cause we're going to go hire someone else. So you out of a job too, you need to take a break and you out of a job. I mean, right. That's like, that's jacked up. Right. I mean, it's like, that's a really good point. I wouldn't even have remembered that, but yes, I think that's key because that's the number one reason that people don't take a break. Yeah. Know? Cause the um, money I, I need it. It's now an income and an income source and I gotta have it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm a firm believer in in paid sabbaticals. I think they're amazing. <laughs> Actually, I've been back for ten years. <laughs> You're like, in fact, if one. someone wants to continue a paid sabbatical for me right now, I'll take it. I'm telling you, man. You know, <laughs> it, it's funny though because I'm in this really awesome place right now with through the word where I get paid well to do something I absolutely love and can't believe I actually get paid to do. I, I honestly cannot believe that I get paid to do through the word. It's amazing to me. Now, now, if they say, I can't believe we pay Peyton to do this, that's where the problem is. <laughs> it, it will not shock any of you to know that I get the most complaints. I had this one where I started doing something really stupid and I recorded another track of me in the background going, make it stop. <laughs> Because I start doing something like I get caught in this feedback loop of saying something that I'm just having fun with the passage or whatever. But um, but someone wrote in and go, and I guess the sound engineer had gotten the balance wrong. He upped the sound because he couldn't understand why it was in the background. So he made it really loud. And she said it came on really loud. I'm like, oh, I got to talk to the sound engineer. They they mixed that wrong. They, they didn't get the joke. 
but I get I get the most complaints, and I just told them I was like, just wait until Song of Solomon, just wait. I, I, they just hired a lady to handle all the emails, and I'm like, okay, uh, that's good. That's good. You hired someone to handle these because they're coming in. They, that's they so get, funny. You get hate mail too. That makes me feel like we're brothers. I get the most. And and it's funny because a lot of these people have been listening to Chris Langham for years. And then here's this Johnny on the spot, Peyton Jones. And and probably really, if you get down to it, it's like the, the next pastor. My greatest sin is not being Chris. Right. That's what they're really upset about is, why do I got to listen to this guy? I want Chris Langham again. But they're stuck with me for multiple books. And so these books are new. It's like there's been an influx of Peyton Jones on Through the Word this past year because I've been cranking out tons of content. But uh, but yeah, I'm in a I'm in such a great place, man. We're working for them. No joke, kind of is like a sabbatical. I'm just I I have you know to to quote the Hebrews, I have this sense of shalom. I mean, I'm building my house right now, and I'm feeling the best I have in years. That should tell you something. Most people are going nuts by now. I'm tired. I can't and wait. You till I'm just done. had surgery for cancer, and my Delroy just pulled my sutures out. <laughs> so, hey, so uh, anyways, Pete, you know one of the things that I'm glad about is that you know there is a place out there called SimplifiedChurch.com that keeps people from going through what Dan Sams did. Someone looking over your shoulder, checking the books, and making sure that what happened to Dan Sams doesn't happen to you. Hey, if you want to keep yourself out of jail and keep your church IRS compliant, you need SimplifyChurch.com. That's right. Don't let what happened to Dan Sams happen to you. Go to SimplifyChurch.com. Is that cool? Like, can we say that or is that wrong? Dan, you should have had Simplified Church. It's all your fault. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, hey, we changed that one up and offended Dan Sams greatly. Uh, But in the meantime... I'll give him a shout out. Go listen to From Concealment Podcast with Dean Sams and Pete Mitchell. Woo woo. So now I think the yin and the yang have evened out. Yeah. The problem with the From Concealment Podcast is. uh, You guys are about to get canceled. Oh, I'm sure cancel culture is going to take care of us. Apple's going to take care of us. Facebook's going to take care of us. We're now Dan's a pastor. Now now this episode's no good. They're going to find this and ban this one. I'm just saying. Dan might be a pastor, but he's also a freedom lover. And yes. it's, 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 we get into political issues. Doesn't he like make guitars as well on the side? Probably for fun. Knowing him. Yeah. I, you know, Todd Wilson makes electric guitars on the side. Does he really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. I, I remember when I was working for Exponential at one point, he had something on that. I'm like, hey, what's that? He's like, oh, it's just a little something I'm working on. And I'm like, and uh, his wife was on the call, and she's like, "Yeah, no, he—you didn't know that he builds electric guitars like from scratch." That dude—he's pretty impressive. So he's a—he's a nuclear engineer. He's a nuclear engineer. Yeah, there's nothing that dude can't do. So it was pretty funny. It was fun working with him. But anyways, well, hey guys, thanks for joining us. This has been Peyton Jones, as usual. I'm always me, and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. 
visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.